0: the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 260 After Party Edition. It was a wild one, so I brought on a special guest co-host and Brad Tashchuk to help recap the action. Let's go. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches, thinking how things used to be. Dark night.
1: It's
0: a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. <laughs> hey, I hear my <laughs> I hear my voice there. Apparently we're live. Thank this is uh, a this is gonna be a delayed after party edition. I'm not gonna get too into the formal intro as I tweet out, do the proverbial walk and talk as I have a friend to help me right now, um, which is cool. Uh, you know, friend of the show, Brad Tazchuk, at Bratzchuk on Twitter. As you can see on the bottom of the screen, I did do that right. Uh, and, and and we are here. Um, we're going to get to this breakdown, or recap, I should say. I'm so used to doing breakdowns. It's like, what? We got We got a week off, Brad? So we're going to recap some stuff. <laughs> yeah, and uh, exactly. And of course, you know Brad over the MMA analysis. Uh, I'm sure you guys usually are pretty good about doing a recap on the off weeks as well. But I'm going to steal you early, so hopefully your uh, brethren will forgive me.
1: all all my good talking points are going to be delivered here um, Wednesday night or whenever we end up recording, who knows what's going to happen.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are kind of impromptu as well. Uh, the lunatics, uh, run the asylum over at your guys' place too, right?
1: Very much so. Very much so. Uh, you know, we, we've all got lives. We've got things to do stuff comes up and you know, we, uh, We don't take this too seriously. We're just here to have some fun, as I'm sure that we will this afternoon. And uh, I hope the listeners that tune in enjoy as well.
0: Absolutely. I hope they do uh, to you as as well. Brad, can you say something back to me real quick? I want to check some sound live because it's professional podcasters do it. Absolutely. Oh, you sound great. Okay, cool. You sound sound fantastic. I felt like
1: I was a little uh, little interrupted for a second or a little
0: uh, choppy. I just wanted to bring the uh, beautiful chat and screen, so I got to do it manually here, folks, because I'm not really good with technology as I'm using some uh, little eCan live. Shout out to Aaron Bronsted. He turned me on to this program. This is how I kind of shoot all my stuff. I just don't do this enough. So it's a good excuse. I think I had uh, another Canadian, Spencer Kite, on last time who will be making another appearance on a top five show this time this week, which you've done a couple now with me, Brad. So nice to have the Canadian representation in the house. Can we, can we spoil the topic
1: or is it, uh, is it confidential at this point?
0: You know what? This one's actually, I, I, I can, I, I can spoil it, you know, cause we're going to give the teasers as we usually do a tweet out, uh, at Dan Tom MMA or at the PYM podcast on all social platforms. Don't pollute your feed. Very helpful. I usually tweet out the top five topics cause we like to get listener, you know, interaction, uh, since I don't usually do these type of shows that often. Um, so it won't be giving it too much away. They're kind of, it's real different top five this week. Um, this one, I think, with Spencer, we're going to be doing top five like dark horses, and we're going to outline that specifically as far as like to get within a you know I don't know if it was like top ten or uh, within title talk within you know twenty twenty one a time frame. We'll we'll have that outlined for you, but it'll be a little bit more of a, a shorter time frame episode. But also when you can kind of go and look back and, and see how how right or wrong we were, and you guys can submit <laughs> your list too as far as how right or wrong you are. Uh, for your calls for the future so it's a little bit of different top five than more of like the past ones that we've usually done brad
1: i mean it's fun it's fun though you know anybody who wants to record a podcast or do a video and all the stuff that you do you're always putting yourself out there a little bit and it's almost as much fun to be wrong as it is to be right because uh, then you just get the people that uh that give you shit and I uh, think that, uh, you know, there's there's trouble and think they're being witty. Uh, and I, I like to give it right back to them.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you've uh, bantered with uh, Brad or anybody from his, their podcast, um, you know, like I usually tell people, like, you know, don't feed the troll. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Just you, you guys are, are OGs <laughs> in the game. But obviously, um, you know, it, it's so funny because and so many of the people I get along with, it's not a criticism, like shout out to the fight site guys. You know, they have their own language, although you guys differ on the Russians, but uh, you guys have your own language of, like, sarcasm, where, like, no matter what friends group is on Twitter, because y'all are so spread out there, it's like you gotta, like, transcode the sarcasm, (laughs) but you guys make for some of the funniest jokes and uh, listens to, so that's why I was... That's why I always give you guys a shout on this year's show. And I appreciate you coming on mine, man, because we could use more comedy right now. This show could, especially. So I'm going to cheat code it and uh, bring on my man, Brad, and, uh, you know, break down a fun night. We're going to go top to bottom as usual as people pile into the chat. Feel free to shoot your questions in there. We will address it. Um, Ron Burgundy will read what's on the prompter, unfortunately. So you have that (laughs) edge on me, the on paper edge. Um, But I got Brad here to help me, man. So we'll keep to like the usual. format air quotes uh, you know for for a show where the lunatics run the asylum but yeah we're gonna go we're gonna go from top to bottom here um and yeah man before we start though before we start dan we're savages man we're savages i know i know man (laughs) it was uh it it, a shout out to whiskey sour and uh all the usuals by the way man um you know we 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 all joke about you know the mma betting community we do i know you guys do brad but we are the mma betting community so we're, we're The pie's on our own face, too. So as long as you can laugh at yourself, you should be okay in this game, folks. I think that's a good rule of thumb to always keep in mind. Uh, But shout-outs to the the hardcores and the savages out there, of course. Uh, The Protect Your Neck Podcast. Like the video, by the way. Subscribe. Daniel Tom MMA if you're listening to the audio version, as this will be, you know, in the future. Talking to people in the future here, because this will go audio last. Whereas usually, you know, YouTube's getting, you know, the slow upload, and you guys are seeing me last on here for my breakdown shows, but yeah, this little thing called the UFC 260 uh, broke down, I actually have a tab here with some result with some results, which is pretty crazy, like, I'm prepared all of a sudden, uh, but no, of course it was headlined, supposed to be headlined by two title fights, we didn't get Volkanovski versus Ortega, who did you have for that, did you have a pick, Brad, do you mind sharing if you did? I didn't.
1: Um, I feel like my first instinct was going to be Ortega, uh, but that's probably just me looking at it and you know seeing a decent dog number beside a, a very good fighter's name, and then maybe looking for reasons that I, I might have wanted to bet it. But Volkanovski is, I and mean, like one of the most complete fighters out there. I don't necessarily think he's as exciting as some others do, but hard to argue with the results, right?
0: Yeah, I think that Ortega fight would have brought the exciting out of him. You know, maybe we could have seen that counter-right hand come back to life, which, you know, not to be that guy, although I kind of did in the main event, which we'll jump to in one second, but I did see Ortega with, coincidentally enough, a bunch of bruising in all his interviews through training camp under that left eye, so maybe they were uh, doing their best to prepare for that right hand that Volkanovski, I think, would have to dust off for an aggressive fighter like Ortega, but we'll save that if that fight happens again, right? Which apparently is soon because, you know, COVID's something you can just turn around from like that apparently. So we'll see we'll see how that goes. But uh But uh hey man, at least it did not affect the heavyweight main event. That would have really been a crying shame for both how long Francis Ngannou uh, has been waiting uh regardless of you know what what your thoughts are on the heavyweight title picture and regardless of what your thoughts are on Stipe, uh fact is he didn't fight that much especially toward the end of his career. So you know, it would. I think it would have been a, a you know a double heartbreaker, really, even if this was the fight instead um, that got lost, despite the hardcores and the technical nerds, of course, standing for you know Volkanovski Ortega. But thank goodness this happened, and um, you know uh, wow. it, it, this was wow. Wow. I mean, I, I know. I think we I think we technically had different picks here, Brad. But like, I, I don't think our analysis was too far different. You know what I'm saying? I think we were pretty level-headed about it. Like even though I, I I picked N'gannou and I'm incredibly happy for N'gannou and Eric Niksik, and we'll get to that in a second, um it's not like you know uh you, you know I had a fairly accurate read but it's not like you know I, I can sit here and say that there was no worry because I'm not going to go back on my words I still stand by my previous words written and otherwise which is. I still think that opening line of north of a two to one favorite was disrespectful to Stepe, and I still don't blame even after the fact. Obviously, they were they were losing tickets. I don't blame people for taking any of the many plus money angles, but that chalk comes through, man, and and Ninganu um, does what many of us thought. Even if you pick Stepe, I think you know there was a fair amount of us that were really worried for Stepe whether you picked him or not the first time. Ngannou does what many of us feared that first time or picked for him to do that first time. Any 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 thoughts the day after as we're nursing hangovers, Brad?
1: <laughs> I, you know what? This was, quite frankly, a, a much better performance than I expected. I thought that Ngannou's path to victory was coming out there, blitzing, and getting the knockout. And that's just not the way it turned out. You know, there were a lot of people that were picking Ngannou and I was in the back of my head just thinking like yeah I get it you're coming up with all these reasons and trying to rationalize your pick but just say he's going to knock him out that's what you think is going to happen you think he's going to knock him out but even in the semi-prolonged nature of the fight we actually saw the improvements that everyone was hoping for out of Ngannou. He he fought the the more patient fight did it successfully um you know didn't freak out after he landed that big right into the the temple in the first round um I I thought that he might have gone in and and swarmed didn't freak out after he switched up the the wrestling on Stipe something that I know you uh you hinted that might happen in that fight um and I just kind of laughed it off I'm like oh Dan that's Come on. I, I know you like Nixick and Extreme Couture and, and all your guys over there, but come on. He's not going to, like, out-wrestle Stipe and, and get that advantage on the ground. Um, but, he did all of those things. And the the finishing sequence, uh, aside from the violent part of it, you know, again, uh, hats off to you. you. You're being pretty modest in your post-assessment of the fight, but you called for the check left hook. Um, and that was the punch that it didn't start the, the sequence, but it was the the one that finished him and, you know, put Stipe on his ass and, you know, put him out before he got extra put out. Um, but that that finishing sequence was uh, was pretty incredible because a lot of people probably missed it just because of the the end result, but Stipe landed that same sort of like pullback counter-right. Uh, and I think... He rushed in because he thought that he hadn't gone hurt like he did in the first fight, but Anganu had the answer, and whew, what what an answer!
0: Absolutely, and, and to clarify on the check um half and half, half right. I thought that it would be something that we would see more of Stepe because he doesn't throw it that much. He's kind of like Junior Dos Santos, where they actually tag people, and like JDS obviously drops Stepe in their first fight, which was really crucial for this. Uh, I believe. For the turnaround but they don't throw it until they're tired and like really pressed and i felt like those are the shots like you know guys with chins whether it's you know eves edwards on jeremy stevens or you know early on uh you know being the, like the first person to stop jeremy you know it's those check hooks they don't look like they're there a lot but when you have a guy that big you know at that big of a weight i feel like they're extra emphatic i thought that could be something for stipe um, but he ended up getting hit by it. But where I said the left hand for Ngannou is that was essentially the narrative broken down in the first one. I picked Ngannou both times, folks, and essentially it was similar to why I picked Reem against him is because Reem was fighting more from southpaw, which we saw Ngannou do uh, You know, against you know Blades when he fought wrestlers. He was switched southpaw. And uh, overall through A's career, yes, he gets finished by the right hands by Struve or Cormier, um, but it's left hands that have hit him at a way more disproportionate rate. Uh, So, of course, going into the first fight, everybody's like, ooh, power punching Ngannou, it's all about the right hand. But if you look at Ngannou, he switches stances and he's really fluent with the lead or as a power, but he's fluent with the left. The left conducts all the traffic uh, opposite of like a TJ Dillashaw who conducts the traffic with the right. His stances are switching, but he's conducting traffic with the right hand. So that was kind of my math there, which ends up playing here. I guess I did say that that was still going to be live, so I I wasn't wrong there, but I did say that my my, my tinfoil hat theory, Brad... You can tell me what you think because you highlighted that right hand. And whether it was the right or the left, I just feel like Stipe wasn't seeing shots coming that well. I felt like it was a continuation of what I saw from the Cormier fight where we heard really loud eye poke uh, supporters going, hey, Stipe lost the first fight because of the eye poke. He gets poked in the left eye, knocked out by the right hand. Coincidence? But it was weird. Even those people kind of dropped that narrative when I thought it only became more relevant because he suffered eye pokes to that same eye in every fight, and the last half of the trilogy, like I cite in my breakdown, literally every meaningful right hand that's like even kind of in a in a coughing range, like you were, he was getting hit by, and like that first right hand hits him, then a flurry kind of happens shortly after with the, you know, the the take, the the failed takedown and whatnot, right, um, and by the time Stipe gets back to his feet, you can see that his eye is kind of having trouble with, uh, he's having trouble with that same eye, kind of like Fighters like uh, Jessica Penne, who was supposed to fight, when they come off of no surgeries, I always tell you MMA gamblers to be careful. Sometimes they don't come off the same. It just takes a jab, you know, or a cost check, right? After that GSP fight, every time he got jabbed, he was like, oh, let me check that eye, right? It, like, it sticks yeah. with you. And I saw Stepe doing that. Another guy
1: we'll talk about later, uh, Almeida had an
0: eye surgery, and since he's come back, a little, little more hesitant, very great point, yeah. But um, and not you know not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm usually not a tinfoil hat guy, Brad. But I would argue maybe there was something there. I mean, you know, everyone was saying Stipe didn't look the same, or he looked shook, or it was the wars with Cormier, and and there could be arguments for any of those. I'm not going to pretend that's very subjective, and so is my theory. But I just felt like he wasn't seeing the shots coming like from the start before he was hurt.
1: Yeah, it, it didn't look great. Uh, I think that's why he rushed in so quickly when he landed that one counter because he was like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. Be- the rest of the fight just simply wasn't going his way. He wasn't finding any openings for his offense. So he, he tried to take the one and just wrong time. And, and like I said, Ngannou had that answer for him, which was uh, emphatic. But uh, let's uh, the other thing that, that people are talking about is... CBA's you know, leg a- after the fight. And that just tells me that a whole lot of people haven't seen uh Krokop Gonzaga.
0: <laughs> that was poetic. I didn't realize that. Like it didn't look as nearly as bad as and I'm not I mean, hopefully he's okay. I'm not saying he didn't get hurt from but it didn't look nearly as bad as Krokop's. But that was just like I saw someone quote like somewhere in like Zagreb, Croatia, Mirko is screaming. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess that would have been what, uh, you know, six o'clock in the morning in uh, in Croatia when that was happening. So oh, imagine he just they shot out of bed in a cold sweat.
0: Imagine if they still let him wear the the, the pants because Stepa used to wear the tribute shorts. Remember that?
1: Yep. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that would have been a little bit too on the nose, I think.
0: So Aaron B, I'm gonna go comment down. He, he this kind of jumps like toward the opposite end, but uh, I can parlay this into what we're talking about because it'll parlay in the commentary. Excuse me, coffee a little digestion this morning, folks. Uh, Aaron B. says, can't believe you recommended that big chalk play on Annex saying Malaki with a Boston accent. Lost my shirt on that one. I, I made the mistake of, well, the fight was short, but I, I think that uh, it wasn't going to happen. I feel like John was purposely not saying because I made the mistake of tagging him. I didn't want to be that guy that tags him, uh, especially because, like, you know, biz, uh, you know people in, more in the public eye, like, if you're not clear with your joke, it could be taken the wrong way. I'm like, I hope John doesn't take it the wrong way or anything. But it's hilarious because no, on on, his, that on on his podcast, like he he does it, and then if you watch tape, I guess that's why the people who like that kind of got my joke it was because uh, he goes Jimmy Malaki here, and like Anik will do that from time to time, kind of like my favorite Bill Burr, and it'll even bleed on old here on this show, right? So I appreciate it. Uh, I love I love everything, you know. Uh, uh Boston no offense Brad I don't know if that that you know you got to be anti-Bruins if you're Canadian no matter what region you're from but uh I got love for all things Boston so uh yeah I, I apologize for that I, I would have lined it though seriously like minus seven seven you know or nine whatever but uh hopefully there wasn't a play on that Aaron but I appreciate that shout um
1: cu- before I, I jump to, in to the next Aaron the uh the spreadsheet because this the spreadsheet said Milwaukee round one and uh you know, he, he paid for uh, some card de- de- detailing for me today, so that's
0: good. I t- I've heard you reference these things before, Brad, on, on your podcast, and it's just such, like you said, you haven't been doing them for a while, but you sent me these spreadsheets you do for kind of a, to get a better idea as far as round betting results and have a have a nice visual aid for when you're looking to place your, you know, take your stabs, especially if you're like a prop guy um, like, like Brad is here. We will recap some betting stuff as well. Um but yeah, uh, but that th- that was that was awesome, man. Props to you on that for 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 putting that together.
1: Yeah, it's it's fun. It, you know, if you're gonna spend time doing this, you, know, I, I'm not into the the technical breakdowns quite a, like you are. Uh, you know, I can pick up a couple things, but for the most part, I just go from memory uh, when I'm breaking down fights. But to to see those trends because uh, they're not really laid out well when it comes to to MMA, um, so. You know, you can look at UFC stats or fight metric or whatever they're, they're calling it these days, but it really doesn't give you a true sense of how how good a fighter is because you don't know uh, where the fight took place or the level of competition or just how that matchup uh, interplayed. But when you're looking at the actual results, you, you get a real sense for how fighters win and lose. Um and that that can be a, a huge help in terms of picking some of those spots, which normally I need because I can't pick a fight to save my life.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate the, the, the kind of words, but like we talk about a lot of times, I think while we get along, I think uh, without sounding, you know... You know, too homoerotic here. We fill in each other's spots quite well, if I do say so myself, sir. Because I'm very <laughs> blind to the the, the, the the props and the round bettings And I've been really bad about that. I used to even, you know, shout out MMA Gamblers. D-Love. Shout out, by the way, to Derek Love. And before I get to speaking MMA Gamblers, a uh, chronic combat conversations comment as I work my way down. Just to, you know, and we'll get to more Malarkey talk. Don't worry, Mark Fellows. I see you in the chat. Uh, my Australian brother, he's probably skulling it right now. Skulling one right now. I probably got that mm-hmm. wrong, but forgive me. Either way, um, commentary was the segue there, despite it being about malarkey. Um, maybe, like, kind of, you know, we had some jokes off the top of the show. I can't even remember if they were on air or off air. I can't even remember. I-, I barely remember that we went to a round two with Ningano Miochik. That was just so high off that, right? Um, but yeah. maybe it was, like, Thick Willy being off the card and Menafield, which we'll get to finishing his fight fast, Brad. But, you know even guys like me had some leftover BDE energy left over I'm rocking my Nasty Nate shirt today I'm stoked you know but but Rogan man I felt like you know maybe because they knew that the fight was going to go fast but he went right into those muscles need oxygen narrative and I was I was loving it I was loving it because you can feel and I I love Rogan but you feel the timeline collectively go oh shit
1: here we go yeah well he didn't do it for Woodley at all because Woodley got into the fight too quickly you know there was there's stuff happening there so he didn't have the chance to to ogle those thighs so he had to get it in for for unganu but we'll get there as well
0: yeah absolutely I love that though that was a shout out you gotta you gotta you gotta learn to appreciate these and make it into your own like drinking game if you will folks because it, MMA the parts that are predictable is usually stuff like that. Let me tell you, it's not. um, It's it's not stuff
1: <laughs> that happens inside the cage. Stuff that happens outside the
0: cage. And, and you know what? I know DC and Rogan, especially going into podcast mode, or you know Rogan and and I think there was a moment which we'll get to the post fight interview where Rogan almost kind of you know he doesn't help himself in these arguments, right? Uh, because he'll bring up stuff like in the post fight when he's standing alone and he doesn't have the facts right. Like Yan, he's like Yan yeah, Block, but you were middleweight, right? They're like, no, nah, I was never middleweight. Uh, but I gotta say, man, I, 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 you know, we, whether it's like you know, commentary or UFC-related stuff, like we're, we're all so quick to like throw this or that. I, I felt like, you know, aside from some moments that we will talk to, which are are great, I'm not, you know, condemning anybody. I felt like they did a really good job. Anik always kills it. I love Anik, man. He he is the, he's the man. But I felt like even like you know, DC and Rogan, everybody, like they weren't too out there. I mean, we'll talk about some stuff as we get to it, but you know, compared to compared to other pay-per-views.
1: I, I think you might have to, to carry that conversation for the most part because uh, for the last few cards, uh, I've been doing some uh, some Zoom calls and stuff with the, the boys from the podcast, so a lot of times don't really hear what's going on with the commentary, which isn't such a bad thing.
0: That was me with the last couple of them too, so I couldn't like I couldn't get into it, you know. Obviously, I think we were on some of the same things. In fact, right with yep. the spaces. Shout out to uh, Aaron Bronstetter for that. So I'm gonna break it down to chronic con- camp combat conversations because some of these are not Nagano Stipe, So we'll finish out with the comments as we move our way down. Um, and I believe that's MMA Guru and TB Scouting on Twitter. Shout out to those guys. What a great way to call how you could see the improvements from Nagano and the newly. Susceptible chin of Miochik. I'm just as upset for Miochik as I am happy for Ninganu. Thanks for the awesome content. Uh, too too kind. I did mention the leg kicks there, but not just because of the DeSantos Santos uh, sample size, but Cormier actually landed in the 90 percentile through the entirety of the trilogy until he got lost headhunting. So it was nice to see that, um, like, especially to hear like. And shout out to Ryan Wagner. I, I jokingly tweeted like, uh, somebody go check on Ryan Wagner MMA. Uh, <laughs> He's body, body punching. Pu- first because, punch was a body punch, right? And 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 because fight fight site and and that's again that's a joke on not on Ryan or not even just the fight fight site. It's myself too. That's why I get along with those guys. We tend to kind of joke about heavyweight MMA, uh, not in the same way as T-shirt in the pool contest guy over here does. But uh, as far as the technical skills, heavyweights tend to get a bad rep. So we were they were just like uh, I remember Ryan was like you know and Stevie could maybe body punch, but this is heavyweight and that's a bit too much to ask. So it was a kind of a comment on that. However, Ryan Wagner, who is a, a fantastic analyst, knows you uh, can break down wrestling to Muay Thai to a bunch of stuff better than I. Go follow him at Ryan Wagner MMA. Does make me comfortable. And a guy familiar with Art of Eight Limbs was also saying pre this fight um, that Ngannou has gotten better at throwing leg kicks quietly in the, in the small sample size. And I think I think we saw that it, kind of that measuredness you were speaking to, Brad. That a lot of leg kicks were mixed in there.
1: Do you think it? laid uh, a huge impact in, in the fight though because like I know he landed a couple decent ones but I, I think it maybe helped him establish his range a little bit but other than that I, I don't think like leg, click, leg kicks right now in late 2020 and 2021 are, are probably the most oversold technique mm-hmm. in, in MMA um, but I think as a range finding tool that, that really helped him establish his distance but other than that uh, not a huge impact in the fight
0: I thought it could have been, but yeah, after what we saw, I don't think that was like a deciding factor or anything. Uh, like you know, I I feel like Poirier and McGregor's had more of an effect. and I know, me and you have been you know traditional haters of that narrative, mm-hmm. not denying it, but just kind of bringing up the stuff that's not really mentioned with that. Um, I feel like it obviously had even less of an impact here. To your point. Uh, that being said, I, I I did bring it up in the in the pre breakdown as a more of a, a measuring thing, which we'll talk about perhaps uh, a a play and a pick that i really just biffed on uh Azatar where you know when you want if you want to if you if you if you're worried about measuring your gas tank and you're facing a pressure fighter uh, just something MMA guys don't do enough in general which is attacking to the body and leg but using the body and leg to dissuade that pressure you know see Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje right um it's not it's not it's not gone to enough so Um, I thought, you know, tools like that for a fighter, like whether it's an Ninganu or you're worried about their gas tank, right? You're like, easy, easy. Like, you want to see them incorporating measured attacks. Not because it's going to maybe, you know, change the the result of the matchup on its own, but it'll give them offense and give them some breathing room to set up the more fight-ending shots, right? So...
1: And gives the just the opponent more stuff to think about because that was the most diverse attack that we've ever seen from Ngannou in any of his fights.
0: Yeah, I mean, body I work, thought. body work, uh, you know, single-leg sprawls, reshot. I mean, it was it was fantastic. Daniel Mays says, I agree, Brad. This is, by, uh, this is far and away the best Ngannou's ever looked. The combo in round one he got Stipe with is the best thing I've seen him throw. I agree. I think he's referring, was it the jab-jab, body-jab over the top, right? I believe so. Yeah, that was fantastic. Great call. Uh, great shout there, Daniel Mays. Although, Amaze.
1: for the, uh, the Nganu backers, when you saw him land that punch and Stipe didn't flinch at all, there was uh, probably some clenching that happened at that particular moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that was the thing, right? I think that was... People, you know, and, and not saying they were they were wrong, those people cashed their tickets, but that was the argument they had, right? Which is like 311 shots or whatever was the number being thrown around. they can't take one, and so when he takes one, yeah, like I'm sure there was some clenching uh, going on. I know a lot of people uh, that bet um, that were on the Ninganu side, uh, that were, you know, I got to imagine they felt some of that. Um, MMAKO says that short right put Ninganu into finishing mode. Uh, The one yeah, that Stipe I think talking about the, yep.
1: the one from Stipe,
0: yeah. Yeah, man, it was crazy. It was almost like a drunken master. Like, he was like, he, he looked rocked, so I don't blame Stipe for going in. Then he just snapped right back into the left hook. And then, uh, yeah. and if you look, there's a screenshot out there. Like, Stipe was off of his feet when he got caught. So he got caught in midair, mm-hmm. like swatted out of the air. Like, that's insane. Uh, MMAKO also says, go check out his channel. Yeah, he I puts together the, uh... videos. Uh, what's up, go ahead, Brad?
1: Uh, the. For all the improvements that we f- we saw from uh, Nganu in that fight, one of the things that was of a bit of concern uh, was his footwork. And, and I think that you kind of saw in that last exchange that the footwork isn't necessarily all the way there. Because that's what made it look like he was rocked to steep AI, I think, more than anything. Because uh, obviously he landed a bit of a shot. But Nganu was sort of like tripping over himself at that point to, to try and close in and, and land something. Um, but that's, there's still work to be done, obviously, but hey, when you're the heavyweight champ and yeah. as terrifying as that man is, um, it's okay to have some room for improvement, right?
0: You know what? Yeah. And, and if anything, um, if he, if he can move and, and scramble, you know, to, to sprawl out the shots, spin off the cage and then sprawl around to the back, uh, and, and, you know, and wedge himself in between Stepe and the cage to get to those hips. It looked like a it looked like a couple of lightweights in there, which has traditionally been Stipe's advantage. So. If that guy can learn to do that stuff, I'm sure he can refine the footwork for his favorite uh for his favorite striking. Um MMAKL also says those checked leg kicks sounded brutal on Stepe's tibia. His defense was on point all around. I got to go back to watch that. Um I, I didn't I didn't catch that, but good on him. I know he tried to be better at checking uh in recent fights. Um Gre- uh, Steve Gregory, I believe I believe that's a, a that's your guy <laughs> from the MMA analysis there. Uh he said Steve's awesome. Hilarious. Yeah, Steve. Steve's very funny guy. Very funny guy on Twitter. He says, uh, Wineland the same after breaking his jaw." Um, yeah, I think he was talking about when our injury talk, oh, right? The, the iPod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, 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 these are things to kind of keep in mind for past injuries. It's, it's in your head, man. I mean, even a you know, even a a, a low level, unathletic dummy like me, after I messed up my knees, and I'd go back in. Uh, you know, it, t- it took me it took me a while before I was comfortable, you know, putting a hook in. Even when someone was giving me a weak turtle, it was like, oh, but what if this guy turns the wrong way? Like, there's this mental thing. I can't imagine you're at the high level, you know, making your money with this nonsense. So uh, completely forgivable, but something you got to also account for if you're, if you're trying to watch this stuff with a critical eye.
1: Having a, a facial injury of any sort in a sport where you get punched in the face, probably a bit of a disadvantage.
0: Yep, yep. And then uh, KO adds, good thing his leg didn't go full, Tim Means. Oh, that was a bad one, man. I, I didn't catch that live when I saw the replay. I was like, f- I feel like Tim Means, it's like it's like he's got like a, it's all like calcified cankle if you look at that ankle now too. He's just lugging it around. We'll
1: get to, we'll get to ankles as well. <laughs> we'll oh, yes. This card. Yes, what we, we will. Think, uh, uh, what do we think next on com- the, the horizon? Is it, uh,
0: it going to be bones or is it... Oh, it's good, yeah. It's for the belt. I I think that um judging by the way Dana's already talking, where he's 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 already doing his classic line. He goes, there, "Everybody says they want to fight, but do they really want to fight?" And he said it just <laughs> like that, too. I'm like, "Oh, fuck, here we oh, go. John Jones is not getting any money." Um, <laughs> so, which sucks because, you know, you, you don't have to be a John Jones family like the guy should deserve to be paid John for Jones. that. He deserves to be paid for that. You know what I'm saying? You look at the yeah. the, the financial breakdown. All these fighters deserve to be paid more. So that uh, no argument for me there. So I really hope the UFC does uh, because, you know, I had my early analysis article that I went back and read that I wrote in May of last year. It kind of holds up a lot of those predictions as well. Um, and we mm-hmm. saw, you know, a lot of the optimistic part of those predictions play through through the Nganu part where I have my own theories on Jones, not to discredit him um, at all, um, but you know, uh, I, I I would favor Ningano in that fight before, I still would favor him after, and it looks like the betting line moved up a whole dollar for, like, the fantasy of that fight. I don't know, what, what, what do you think of that fight, Brad?
1: It's tough. Uh, I think this could be one where it actually, the the cage size makes a difference. I know they were talking about it a little bit in reference to, to this fight, but... Um, But if you give Jones the the freedom of the the bigger cage, I think we could see a very boring fight between these two. Uh, A lot of Jones, because he's possibly the smartest fighter ever in terms of in-cage performance, Uh, he doesn't want to get into exchanges with Nganu, so we're going to see lots of oblique kicks and he's probably added calf kicks to his game and and all sorts of things like that. So I think there's a lot of Jones trying to poke and prod from the outside or be all the way inside and maybe go back to some of those Greco roots.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great point. I didn't think of that because I could totally see it being, you know, just kind of a counter and Jones is really good at lulling opponents into false senses of security that they're either doing well or not doing well. So, that's actually a really good point, and that would probably be, I think, a really juicy betting angle if this thing goes to the betting uh, the big cage. You could get some angles where maybe you don't need a side, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like I'm looking right now, plus 175 on John Jones. At any point, I personally I feel like I have to bet that if that's what the line is come fight time. You know, I, I probably favor Ingunu. Uh, especially with those improvements that he's shown. But again, he's going up against a historically durable guy. If that Jones fight comes to fruition, going up in weight tends to only help guys' chins. So Jones might be even more durable than he normally is. Uh, And as I said, he, even in fights where he doesn't look good, which has been a lot of his performances over the last few years, always finds a way to win. So give me that guy at, at plus 165 plus 175 that i'm seeing at the moment i would be very tempted we'll say that
0: yeah that's the thing is is that's the, that's the trappings for me is whether i pick these guys or not um i, I also feel like the value is on the other side you know we're getting the sit, sitting champ for plus money uh, we'll get the steeper here in a second before we push on or like you said when do we see jones at plus money uh like i believe it was like Stefan bonner was the last time he's been anywhere near the opening odds, at least that he was for the Ninganu fantasy fight, so that is definitely interesting there. Um, but speaking of Stepe, as before we push on and staying in this theme, where does uh, where does Sweet Bro Stepe, uh, Sweet Bro version of uh, Vigo Mortensen, as I tweeted out? Uh, I've been <laughs> tweeting this for years, by the way, but I think Stepe he lost a bit of the roundness in his face and not. It, this is a guy with a round face here, believe me. I'm not coming at him, I'm just saying. I think because he got slimmed out, he grew the Hollywood hair. People are finally starting to see, even uh, even Laura Sanko shouts to her, she cannot unsee now uh, that, that Vigo Mortensen is, uh, you know, Stipe Miocic is a doppel- doppelganger.
1: Yeah, although I have to say when he was walking out and he had the, the hat backwards and all that, um, for a second I thought uh, it was fellow Canadian Paul Shaughnessy that was, uh, he, he shaved down, oh. and I thought he was walking out to the cage for a second, so I was I was a bit confused there, but uh, was it, it was Stipe, Um and uh, yeah, I, I'm glad it wasn't Paul in there.
0: <laughs> Shouts to Paul and CJ in their show, man. That's a great shot. I never, I never put that. I, I can see that too. You gotta, you gotta go check out their show to see what Brad's uh, comparison is, though. Um, no, that's great. Well, what's next for Stepe? As we were just, you know, cl- sitting here clowning on what the guy looks like. <laughs> poor four oh, Stepe, man. man. Um, poor Stepe.
1: I, I hate to to say it, but retirement. Like he, he can definitely beat guys. He can beat probably any. Other than Ngannou and Jones in the heavyweight division, and even then, he can beat those guys. Um, But getting older, he's kind of you know he's he's committed to his career obviously, but he's not tethered to MMA in the way that a lot of fighters are. So I I think that if he feels like he doesn't have anything more to accomplish. this could potentially be the last time we see him, although, you know, it's MMA, so probably not.
0: Yeah, and uh, oh, hopefully it's not, but if my speculation is right and, and the vision is not there and you just take a KO loss from Francis Ngannou, the promotion doesn't seem to be too friendly or too eager to do you any favors um, to get back to those money fights, which, you know, the, which is why like, the Bisping's bis-ing, the of the world stuck around, right? Because the title picture mm-hmm. was still there. If it's not, Man, to put yourself through that, plus, like you said, you got the firefighting gig and whatnot, and I'm sure he still, you know, made some decent money, although, of course, all these fighters deserve more. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, we'll see what happens there, but, um, yeah, I do hope Stipe still gets his respect, though, in the history books, you know, for his defenses and his time at the top. Uh, I think he was a fine champion. I know the inactivity in that last trilogy was, was, you know, we wanted to see some things move on, but... There could have been a lot of things behind the scene there. Again, if the I thing was a fact, that could have been it too. It couldn't have just been politics or negotiating, which, again, mm-hmm. these fighters need all the leverage they can. So I don't blame him for that, man. And I just hope he gets a, a, gets his respect uh, due still.
1: If he does stick around, who do you think is next?
0: I think they give him a really um, – I think they give him Curtis Blades, the Island of Misfits match of two guys that can just knock off their contenders. Uh, and they don't necessarily want them to be champions, so, and it's a tough matchup because, you know, uh, you know, I I would never accuse UFC matchmaking of deliberately leveraging (laughs) certain feelings, uh, in the form of their matchups, but I could see some, uh, you know, I could see them giving them a tough matchup like that and then going, you know, Derek Lewis, uh, using Derek Lewis or using Bay as negotiating ploy, but then just giving it to Derek Lewis as far as, you know, trying to entrap John Jones into taking the fight at the, uh, do you want to fucking fight level of money? So yeah, we'll, just, exactly. we'll just say that. I mean, just, just being honest yeah. here. That's the truth, right folks? I don't know.
1: Well, you know, I, people hate John Jones. I, I like to compliment John Jones when I can. Um, he's also become quite the, you know, as far as relative MMA fighters go, he is uh, a significantly large step ahead in terms of his business savviness.
0: He is. He he is very much man. You uh, he, he's ahead in a lot of things. Uh, the, the 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 cheating meta in MMA, you know, mm-hmm. fouling while you're ahead. You know, this that guy's been cute. fouling while he's ahead since Matt Hamill. He reminded <laughs> us like. You know, Anthony Smith, you know, Peter Yan and and, uh, Eric Anders and, you know, all these other guys that want to, you know, come late to the fouling while you're ahead meta in MMA. You know, they're reviving it, but John Jones created it, folks. Been here for decades. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, As we uh, as as we as we move on, um, uh, Mark Fellows, Brasschuck enjoying a beer. I like this guy. Are you having a beer right now? Of course. I'm so jealous. I'm just
1: drinking this coffee. I, I had a couple coffees earlier, but... Well, it's, different time zones. Day. It's much more excusable exactly. for
0: you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean,
1: your, your afternoon on a Sunday, come on. There's nothing wrong with
0: beer. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read two more uh, before I, I go to the uh, co-main event here, because one's a compliment to you, again, from KO. MMA Analysis, one of the most underrated and entertaining MMA podcasts. Look at that. Getting, getting shouts in the chat there. Yeah. Um, and then MMAKO also adds, because this was relevant, so I'll use this and move on. He goes, so, Jan, as in J-A-N, Jan, not not, not Pitter. Uh, so, Jan, uh, how did it feel moving up from Flyweight? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I, I, uh, I can't remember what it was, so I'll probably forget to bring it up later, but it was one of the post-fights, probably further down in the card, Brad where uh, Rogan was, like, excited and he was bringing up something, and he brings up a fact, but you could tell he kind of, like, overstepped himself, so he wanted to fact check. (laughs) But he didn't have, like, the crew next to him because of the COVID. He has to, like, walk to a different area to do it. So, like, you see him turning and yelling to the booth. He goes, right, guys? Is that right? Well,
1: there was something... uh, I, I don't think it was the same situation, but like Anik yelled some fact to him from across the the room, uh, just to correct him in terms of like how many wins the guy had or something like that. And uh, I think it was Metafield. He was like four wins now in the UFC or something. It was it was pretty hilarious.
0: Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> he's so enthused, I and that's why Joe is Joe, right? Because he's got that enthusiasm. You can't question that, but. When you don't do the prep, the enthusiasm can betray you. It starts leading you, starts taking the train off the tracks, and he's like, whoa, Where's the tracks, guys? Guys?" <laughs> but th- but that, that's why Annex the man, like he does, and, and and it's good of a you know play-by-play guy because they got to be they had to play play dumb, but they're really mm-hmm. so smart. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys like train like good, and you wouldn't you wouldn't know because they're playing they're playing dumb and setting up their setting up their color commentators to look good. So Annex always you know quietly doing the Lord's work there. Uh, but man, uh, you know the, you know um, I don't want to make a segue off of We'll just say Tyron Woodley lost my bravo choke. Uh, round one, that was four minutes of fun, was it not? Uh, were you on have uh, you on the Luque side like me and uh, even though money seemed to come in on woodley and you know I, you can't say they were wrong for hoping because Woodley came out and fought man. you he, he, say what you will he came out and fought, but that that was crazy Brad, what's your what's your thoughts on this one?
1: If you backed Tyron Woodley in this fight, you got everything you could have hoped for and more because, you know, you were hoping he lands the one big shot or he tries to wrestle or any number of things that he's shown to have success with throughout his career. And uh, he he did them all, and it still wasn't quite enough. And I think that's just a, a factor of him being 38, 39 years old, you know, been in this game quite a while, Um, especially lately taken a lot of damage so it it, I think the physicality isn't quite there Uh, a lot of people pointed out that he looked a little bit smaller on the scales uh, even though he looked fine in the cage I mean if I could look like Tyron Woodley uh, I would be all over that maybe except for the uh, you know the the parts missing due to raccoon attacks but uh (laughs) other than that um you know i i would be uh, quite happy to to look like like t Wood, but man honestly great performance from him um didn't get the win obviously but luke brings those kind of fights out of people and, and that's why we've been fans uh, of luke for quite a while and uh, finally he's he got one of those rare fights that uh, a mid to to lower ranked guy at, at welterweight can get to break into that upper echelon because that's those dudes have uh, there's been a glass ceiling on like anybody ranked below eight or so in the welterweight division for years now.
0: Yeah, it's been wrestleweight too in that division. So like to have a guy like Luke who he looks like he's getting his wrestling better, but you know we need the, that kind of Dubronx character that has a mean front headlock game that can kind of scare you away from it, right? And welterweight, you know, uh, maybe we thought Worley Alves might have been that guy early, but we haven't really had, you know, um, um, that guy, at least off the top of my head, and I feel like Luque could fit that bill. Um, and the funny thing about Woodley, about the raccoon thing is, like, he has looked lighter in the last two performances, and it looks like he's had an easier time making weight. I'm not saying those two things are correlated, but, you know, <laughs> um, you guys don't use the uh, tape measure over tape study for nothing on your show. But let me bounce it to Luke K really quick. Um, our, our, our guy there, uh, Luca Fury. Uh, uh, shouts to him. I, I saw him of uh, one of the uh, opinions, which is interesting. I'm always all for the uh, not contrarian, not so much contrarian opinion, but but something that other people aren't necessarily saying. And I saw him pointing out that it's a fun fight and all, and you know we can talk about Woodley, and that was great that he tried and and really came out and, and went on his shield. But he was kind of criticizing Luke K for it, as far as you know, you got one, you got you had one job. Watch out for the right hand. You had one job and a guy who has never been stopped before, which is why people like us bet him and like him. Um, man, I, I, will, I will give Woodley credit. I, I think he might be the f- the closest person to, to stopping him in the UFC like that. Um, well,
1: I think that's a, a justifiable point, um, saying that you had one job, look out for the right hand. you got to give Woodley some credit, because the very first massive right hand that he threw after their, like, minute and a half in the clinch um, was that looping right hand, the, the overhand right, but then the one that he landed immediately after that, he switched it to a straight right, which is like I didn't even know that Tyron Woodley's arms could extend straight. Uh, so he made some he made adjustments in this fight, and that was the best version of Woodley that we've seen, maybe even throughout his title run, um, honestly, because. That dude, you know, if he came out and fought Stephen Thompson or, or something like that, uh, I think he could get a bunch of those guys out of there that he put on some lackluster fights against, uh, Mayas and, and everyone of the world. But, um, yeah, it's uh, there were definite improvements from from Woodley. So, Luke a is hittable. We we know Luque is hittable. Um, but he does have a great chin, and you know that he's going to to drag you into that kind of fight that he's comfortable in.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, that was that was great for Luque. I think he called out Nate Diaz, which is always a popular guy to call out. Obviously, I don't think that's gonna probably happen, but I do hope on that note that that Luque gets the boost, that proverbial rub, if you will, um, you know, uh, from taking out the Raccoon Man, Woodley himself, and. <laughs> Jesus, he's a former title <laughs> champ. Can, can I at least give him the, the, that respect? I'm sorry, folks. I can't get that out of my head. But you know, hopefully, he gets some, some you know, some rub, uh, some rub from that, and uh, can get get himself a nice matchup going forward. Any thoughts on the futures for both these guys, Brad?
1: Ooh, haven't really looked at the uh, the welterweight rankings, but I don't know, Luke. A, I, I know he's got a, a loss to Leon Edwards many many moons ago. Um but if edwards is is still running scared from bilal um then Luque versus edwards would be interesting and it's sort of that that alternate path to the title where it's not cuz it, it, i i still think if you put any of these guys up against like colby um colby's probably going to win that fight so uh, I think getting a couple of secondary contenders into a fight, I think you can boost one of them up into a title shot from, from something like that. And let's be honest, Usman's not drawing a ton of eyeballs anyway. So uh, his his B-sides might in some cases, um, but I, I don't think that Welterweight is really a, a money division as far as the belt goes right now. So um, yeah, I wouldn't mind that Edwards fight.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't mind that either actually that's a really that's a that's a good call I think that's really i think that's really solid there um of course you know we heard uh Dana white's comments on the at the at the post fight presser pretty much reading between the lines was pretty easy I and mean, even the espN post fight to- uh shows uh, th- th- those talking head guys that I, I should be more familiar with but I only follow them in may even we <laughs> were like well sounds like dana doesn't want to keep Widley around um do, do do you think uh do do, do you think he uh still pursues elsewhere or, or do you have any, 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 any bets where you would favor if you had to put a line on that?
1: Who In, in terms of Woodley's future, it, it seems like he wants to fight. Uh, and especially given the, the performance that we saw last night, you know, if Woodley wants to come out and fight like that, uh, I'll, I'll definitely watch him. Um, I, I'm not sure how much this result will dissuade him from that in the future. Uh, but you know we'll see but yeah I'll, I'll absolutely if he goes over to to bellator pfl you know make a, a million bucks beating up i don't know who in the pfl's welterweight division
0: <laughs> i could actually see that uh especially if uh, hey man i mean i'm not trying to you know put the guy on blast or anything I think these are things that are things that are pretty public but uh you know, I, I, you know. I think he went through a divorce, a, a divorce, and, yeah. and some alimony payments. He's you know making a certain amount of money, investing. Money's going all over the place. So hopefully he's being smart with it. Um, you know, we joke. I want the best for Woodley. I want the best for these fighters, especially financially. They have enough against them. Uh, Woodley does seem smart in a lot of areas. So hopefully he's being really smart with his money um, as far as that goes. Before we push on to Tomas Tominas, Almeida versus. Uh, Sean O'Malley. I just want to say, uh, Steve Gregory says, "Loving Brad's downtown Abbey cardigan. What a cad!" And uh, Brad, before you answer him, I just want to say that's perfect. You know, he's sipping on a beer. He's got look, he's got glasses. He's got a cardigan. Whereas me, I, I, I'm like just sipping on coffee with a shirt of a you know a, a sexual predator of the shower room prisons over here. That's kind of explains <laughs> a lot of the mood of the show, right? Um, but yeah, Brad, thank you for really pointing out the contrast between us here. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know what, Dan, it's the lack of respect that hurts the most. That, that's what hurts the most. I mean the other thing that hurts the most, but the lack of respect that hurts the second most.
0: <laughs> squirrel master. Watch out, squirrel master. Um oh my God. Uh, and then um <clears throat> before we move on also just um wanna shout out my my man, Matthew Wells. Mr. Wells Art on Twitter, I believe. Uh, Matt's the man. Uh, What up, Dan, Tom? Out of all the improvements on display from Francis last night, which impressed you and Brad the most? I know we talked about a lot of those, but if we had to say the most, I'll let you go first, Brad.
1: Honestly, it has to be the grappling side of things. Um, And maybe it's a little bit of that he caught Stipe off guard with it. Uh, But the fact, if that guy can even dedicate himself a little bit to sort of basic wrestling you don't need to be a great technical wrestler at heavyweight I mean Alistair Overeem's essentially been a wrestler for years at heavyweight without any real semblance of a a technical wrestling game just having strength and being able to know some angles to to trip guys down if Ngannou can do that like come the next Derek Lewis fight it'll probably be a wrestling clinic (laughs) Uh, but I that definitely impressed me the most as far as his progression goes
0: Awesome. Uh, I'm gonna keep pushing down through the card, and we will uh, round back if we have to on these questions because I get sidetracked enough. And even with my man Brad here, I think we'll just end up talking about, uh, you know, shower room stuff and <laughs> shower room talk. And we know that doesn't that I have enough reason to get canceled these days. So uh, no. But uh, but in all seriousness, uh, before we, I think what happened actually in my notes before this fight, uh, between these two fights before we got to the co event, I wrote. Death Race 2000 because I tweeted they did a cutaway to all the celebrities that they kept hinting to about the hottest ticket in town and like it was weird right Like I don't know if you saw that cutaway but like they went to like someone in like uh, Megan Fox and like the the dude that Machine Gun Kelly I'm, I'm old I don't know these people and I don't realize that you know I, I I had to have my girl tell me that oh yeah that's the same guy Stipe Miocci comes out to the song I'm like well that kind of makes sense but then the next group of like Khloe Kardashian like and Travis did they do like a lollipop thing at the same time and they were like and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" It was like Death Race Two Thousand. Do you do you get that reference, Brad? That old be- Stallone movie. I believe it was Courtney
1: Kardashian. First of all, Dan, let's uh, come I'm on. Old. I'm old.
0: I'm old. I'm a zoomer. I'm a boomer. Yeah.
1: obvious Obviously, you're not watching the last season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Um, but yeah, that was. I I didn't understand the point of that, but
0: you know that's an old UFC
1: staple of. Look at us, Chuck Zito's in the crowd. We made the big time, baby.
0: Right. And the, I don't know if you saw the other week when everybody was celebrating the UFC 33 anniversary. Uh, when I was like, that was, when people forget, like, that's, like, Dana White even says to himself, like, that's the worst card ever, so I did the, uh, I, I did their failed first attempt, where, like, you see the cameraman trying to brab, bribe, literally, like, almost, like, bribe, uh, Carmen Electra and Dave, uh, Navarro <laughs> to, like, say, <laughs> and she goes, I'm glad the fight wasn't, yeah, and she goes, I'm sorry, the fight wasn't that good, and they're, like, quickly cutting away, cut, 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 <laughs> and it's, it's still up on Fight Pass, by the way, folks, if you want to... <laughs> Go see that reference but death race 2000 they did a remake that i didn't watch but it's like an old school movie from 75 i think like uh, sly stallone was like fresh out of doing porn right i don't know things got pretty creepy with me and mickey i'm not talking about that sly but like this is like early stallone right and like everyone had their gimmick and it was just it you know if you like that tweet i'm guessing you watched yourself some death race 2000 because it had some strong Death Race 2000 vibes, which is like this whole pandemic year, I guess, right?
1: The remake with
0: uh, with Jason Statham is
1: like predictably horrible, but in an entertaining way. So, you know, you can check that too.
0: Well, hopefully they did cool character intros like they did for the celebs table side. But uh, after, right before that happened, um, we saw Thomas O'Malley uh, defeat, uh, th- yeah, uh, Thomas O'Malley. Wow. Sean O'Malley <laughs> defeat Thomas Almeida. <laughs> Um, KO punch. with it. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I I I uh, I sprinkled. Uh, I did one of those hedge things here where I uh, my my pick was O'Malley by KO, so I, I played that um at a de- at a decent number, and then I did one of those things where I took smaller sprinkles and I just put it on the money line with Almeida, which was nice and inflated by fight day, and a little bit on round three, the round he fell. So I don't know if I what I ended up like point oh two over. Uh, it, yep. I can't I can't count it. I think it was pretty much a wash with the way that went, but how did you call this fight Brad? How did it? How did you see it playing out? Did it play out to how you expected it?
1: I? I thought the most likely outcome was that oh Om, would be able to uh, pick him off early because obviously the maybe not the cleaner striker uh, but definitely the better range striker of the two you know Almeida really needs to get inside to to do his damage and have sustain, sustained exchanges so that he can get to the body and, and mix up the levels as he does and land his little like T-Rex right hook um, but uh, yeah I, I wasn't shocked by how it went but it just it wasn't the outcome I was hoping for We'll we'll say that
0: yeah and i will say you know uh you know for people like yourself that say i don't pat myself on the back enough i will say again similar to i pointed out um again certain threats guys switching southpaw and pretty and calling for that i did call for o'malley to go back to his southpaw stance for this fight which he did and uh you can always tell when um you know and this was probably a super more technical one so i'm I'm definitely not gonna you know take a shot here but like i think it was like dc it might have been i don't think it was joe i think it was dc was like uh why isn't he throwing the right hand that he did against Weinland? And you know, it's gonna be like, what well, the last fight against the Southpaw? We saw how terrible he does against Southpaws, and really in all his fights, win or lose, he's getting hit with left hands in general. So for the fact that O'Malley was just spamming left-sided attacks, I was like, I'm not a fan of the guy, but I'm imp- that tells me that he or someone in his camp's doing their homework. You know, so say what you will. Um, I, you know, we can still fade that his body might not hold up. I, I, I've been one of those putting that narrative out there as far as these taller guys when they, they're, they're cutting massive amounts of weight. Like, I don't know how much longer Montel Jackson. He looked great last time, but I don't know how much longer, how long he can last in fights with that frame. So there's still that, but but I got to give credit where credit's due. They seem like they did their homework for, the, for Almeida.
1: Absolutely, um, but... Man, I I still feel like this guy is just going to get in his own way time after time. Totally. Whether it's, you know, trying to do the the walk-off KO thing to look cool when, obviously, he he hit Almeida. But as soon as Almeida had the opportunity to stand up, he stood right back up. Like, he he was nowhere near out of that fight. So, you know, he's... And, you know, speaking of tripping over himself, I, I think those legs are still very much an issue. And even more than the physical side of things he seems to just sort of have that pause in there whenever anyone attacks the legs say and it it seems to get in his head a little bit which is a bit concerning
0: totally and and by the way speaking of the walk off which we'll parlay into our thoughts on the stoppage and 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 the ref uh the refereeing here um is that uh you know I'm much more forgivable and I'm sure you are too Brad to you know a short, a short, stout guy like uh, Mark Hunt, who's, you know, he's a bit portly, and he's doing it because he's trying to save save energy and calories, okay? He needs that energy yes. to, like, walk around and, and carry carry Mark Hunt around, okay? He doesn't need to be following up punches to the ground. O'Malley was doing it just for IG hits, you know what I'm saying? A lot less sympathy there. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: but, he's going to get plenty of IG hits of him <laughs> landing a big punch and then walking away and looking like an idiot, so <laughs> there's that. But and, and, the, the finish, that was a, a great coffin nail
0: punch. That was. It looked brutal, and I will say this. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm I never one to be shy about criticisms to the commission or the refs or taking accountability, um, and I tweeted this live too. Um, I, I, I don't feel like you should condemn Mark Smith for that one. That was a really tough call because – if you look at the replay, like, he's looking up. He could be doing that thing where he's trying to recover and BS and say, come into my guard to buy time, which guys do, especially if they get hit to the body or something. It's really it's a smart thing to do. Um, But he was out of it, and there's no way, you know, that was a complete hindsight 2020 moment. Like, there's no way he could have been able to tell that in real time. So it looked really bad. And if anybody, you know, to be blamed for that situation, it's actually kind of O'Malley is because when you do that, When you run the risk, is not only do you run the risk of not getting the stoppage for the walk off, like happened in the first round, I believe, for O'Malley, but as I always say, overcorrecting the steering wheel, everybody does it. And you see it, especially with officials or judges. They turn in a suspect scorecard or they have a suspect performance, they'll overcorrect it the other way. And another thing judges like to do is they like to assert power. And, you know, we give Mark Goddard crap for going, this is my octagon, this is mine. But, like, you know, like, you hear from, I think I heard Dan Hardy shouts to Submission Radio, did an interview with Dan Hardy, where, like, Mark Goddard takes, when he feels like he, the fighter takes an extra punch, like, he he, t- he doesn't do it publicly, but he takes it hard, man, because he, he he lives and dies by that. So, I have no issue from that a- aspect. However, you know, I believe it was Mertzelayev or whatever, that really bad Herb Dean stoppage in Russia a few years ago, which was, like, I think number one for my worst, like, fights that should have been stopped sooner, I don't think it was like a walk off, but I think it was a case of a fighter trying to call their own fight, and refs don't like that shit. And if you do that, and and the ref is is not having it, um, that ref is gonna make... and for good for arguably good reason. The booth was bringing up this while they're commentating the fight, the argument on why you need to to follow up, but they're gonna they're gonna really overemphasize and overcorrect the steering wheel, and unfortunately. It's at the expense, the lesson is at the expense of the guy who's already been concussed this whole damn time since round one, which was Tomas Almeida. So I hope he's all right. But that's my thought on the ref stoppage. I don't think you should blame the ref there.
1: No, and especially because the the punch that dropped him in that one was in, like, a a really sneaky sort of in-tight exchange, so the way he sort of fell out and and rolled to his back, it it could have been them tripping over each other's feet or something like that, so I don't think you can give him too much
0: shit on that one. Or tripping over the ref like we saw in in another fight where the ref got the foot sweep. Did you see (laughs) that? He scored the foot sweep? Oh no. which way was that? It was uh, Azatar, I think. Where it looks like he went limp, but he like he went down to get his mouthpiece and like oh, the other yeah. fighter swings and then the ref's foot's behind him, so he goes down to get his mouthpiece and he's like tripodded and then he falls straight back weird. It was almost like the bully trick where like you, you you squat down behind the guy and your friend pushes, you know, pushes the friend over and they fall over. Like it was essentially that. So like the ref again overcorrecting the steering wheel kind of jumping to the Azatar fight really quick. He, um, and correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, if that's not the fight, but yeah, I think he even like stopped it to give him his mouthpiece back mid ground pound or something. If I'm thinking of the same fight, um, yeah. and, and, and then allowed him to take the ground and we'll, we'll definitely get to our thoughts on the Azatar fight. But again, it was over, you know, there definitely could have been, I, I don't want to Get killed in Morocco to stop this Azatar fight, but there is definitely overcorrecting the steering wheel. Where, like, I think it was Valel's, was like, well, I just tripped this guy. Like, I partially knocked him down. I scored my first UFC knockdown as the ref. I need to give him a little more slack now. <laughs> overcorrecting the steering wheel. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, we'll get to that fight, but I don't think I've ever seen somebody look like they got knocked out by trying to bend over and pick up their mouthpiece before, though. That dude was so tired. Um, starch, folks. It's it's not good for the cardio. You got to stay away from the potatoes.
0: Potato, I'm telling you, potatoes. Well, we, well, there'll be more potato talk soon. Potatoes. But uh, how about Miranda Maverick defeating Gillian Robertson? I can't remember what your pick. I, I did listen to you guys' podcast this week. I can't remember what your pick was. Again, I'll allow you to set it up, Brad. Tee it up. What did you think going in, and what, what was your feelings going out?
1: Pick Maverick. Um, didn't really like it for uh, for a play or anything like that. Um, but then, as I always do, I, I, I don't love putting out my plays like a day in advance or anything like that, because most of the time, I want to see where the line moves. Uh, and the line on this one got down to minus 145 right before fight that's right. time. Yeah, that's right. And I was... Uh I, I ended up taking Maverick just because she had those physical advantages over Robertson and uh that seems to be Robertson's or Robertson's kryptonite.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. You're right. I remember that. I remember that post because I was jealous um as I ranted on my show and every show. This for me this was another case of like not as egregious obviously or a big of a swing, but the Romanoff uh Alexander Romanoff versus uh what's like Florida I, I, I fall in a uh, submission. Roger Delimine. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm going to sing that song again. But like, you know, like it's the things where they see where the MMA gamblers and analysts are on. They realize they, they effed up. Uh, COVID saves their butt. And then when they rebook the fight, they get to rebook the line. And all of a sudden... Uh, it reflects what the uh what, what the public that you should be respecting of betting public wise uh, thought of the fight right so that kind of turned me off because I was originally on a maverick at like minus 135 but then when it got to I'm just you know moving minus a little you're bit, good, you're the all good connection seems to be bad hey all good uh, then it got to like minus 160 and I was like you know it wasn't going anywhere um so I didn't play it at the time of the podcast so it wasn't on my official plays but you guys as I told you guys I was high on maverick did the scouting report from Man danced up and I did end up laying it. But what upsets me is that I laid the 160 chalk, though, like for like 1.63 for 1.63, and literally like 20 minutes later, the line fucking plummets. I see you posting that you got it for minus 140. I'm like, that's what I was waiting for. Either way, it cashed. But uh, and by the way, I took that cash and I doubled up, even though I was still waiting for a parlay to hit. My my parlays have been really bad, but I actually doubled up on Luke because the line went down to minus 185, so I took those winnings. And uh, I made out good. It, it made it made up for my my Azatar flop, which I'll we'll get to. But uh, but yeah, that that Maverick line drop um, was was nice. I missed it, but uh, but still cashed. And and I think she showed a lot of those things that you said and and we both said ahead of it. You know, as far as you know, her making smart positional choices, the athleticism being the difference, um, and just that staying power. You know, I love I love Jillian Robertson, but you know the fight at a certain point, you know. She starts kind of faltering and and, and and fading. So if you're going to bet Robertson, um, I don't blame you taking the dog shots, but maybe you, you might want to take him to round one or submission props if you're looking to bet her.
1: Yeah, and I think once you – you know, we talked a little bit about this on Twitter, I think, but, yes, the, the choices – overall are pretty good um but i'm not sure about sustaining that grappling exchange in, in round three although yeah, she actually she yeah. had the best of it uh, but i think there were there was a, a safer way for her to win that fight in that third round although oh, no. apparently she didn't need to because there were two thirty twenty sevens 27s in there which was absurd
0: yeah it was it was a thing here's the thing it was it was again it's- over kind of overcorrecting the steering wheel. I believe my man Sean Sheehan, um, you know, uh, did, a, did a reminder as to why. And I'm actually – I'm sympathetic to the 3027, but not for the reason, Brad, that I saw people giving the 30-27 for. Um, it's because of that Jillian Robertson, you know, again, I'm somebody who actually awards advancements and submission attempts, even if they fail for one. And for two, uh, as I keep referencing that Vieta Kunitskaya, like – Vieira had just as, you know, kind of had just as much, but even I would argue more control. And there was literally like two out of like three or four that landed elbows at the end, but one of them cut Vieira. So Kuniskaya literally won off of that. And we're seeing rounds, you know, again, I'm not going to die on the scorecard either of the lead, say, uh, Giles, but just by swinging back when you're in a submission makes the goddamn round close now. So the fact that you have (laughs) that, you have the judges A overcorrecting that, right? But B. Um, Maverick did the exact same thing, and I'll actually, you know, give love to McGregor here. I know people like to hate on him, but you see it in the um, Mendez fight where as soon as a fighter puts down the pack, that's when you need to pick up the pack, right? I talked about this with Usman as well uh, and Trevor Whitman, how Whitman's have, having molding him more into a pace fighter, um, and you see <laughs> that there. What, as soon as Maverick breaks off, and she, it was still smart choices, even though she's in bad positions, as soon as she breaks off... She starts unloading and she hit way more, had way more sustained time than Vieta had on, on Kunitskaya yes. like almost 30 seconds. And, and she didn't cut Robertson open like superficial damage, which I know Brad, me and you are on the same page for, we don't overcorrect the steering <laughs> wheel on that. Uh, like most, most tend to, but Robertson actually really looked hurt. She didn't get a drop, but she looked legitimately hurt. And if I'm reading that fight, that's a very subjective thing to do. Um, however, If we're rewarding damage and who hurt more, who got close to getting someone out of the round, I feel like she could have overwhelmed her like that that French karate kickboxing girl. It was looking like she was going to get her out of there. So I'm sympathetic to the 30-27 for that reason, but I didn't see that so much emphasized by a lot of the people giving the 30-27.
1: I I don't have to say I don't hate it
0: because I did sneak in a little uh, Maverick
1: Three and a half point handicap uh, bet, so <laughs> I didn't think that cash. Nice. And then I heard the scorecards and added a little bit extra to the bank.
0: Nice, nice. Okay, yeah, you definitely ain't, you definitely ain't hating that one. By the way, I forgot to mention this for the uh, shoot box uh, for the Thomas Almeida camp. But dude, did he? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm asking my further, fellow Jewish brethren here. But even the person I was <laughs> with was like, did Rogan just call Thomas Almeida's camp a death camp? Like, did he use that as a descriptor? It's like, Chupac is a death camp. And I'm like, Rogan, oh, easy, Rogan, easy, 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 easy. There's probably a better descriptor for that. Let's not, let's not go down that road. A lot of people in MMA have been getting have in trouble for making these comparisons. Let's not do that, please.
1: You, you might have to go across the uh, the Argentina border with Brazil to find those. shit. Jesus. Were you were you on a, were you on a
0: call? Did you catch that, by the way? my alone. Did Anybody in the chat can weigh in if they heard that, too, the death I, camp thing. I, I like, did what? not hear
1: that, but it doesn't shock me at all. Like,
0: obviously, Rogan didn't mean it in a mean way, folks. I'm not trying to, you know, get him canceled or anything like that, but it, just, it just certainly caught my ear, you know? Jeez. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let, let me uh, keep, keep moving now. We'll get to your comments here, folks. You can keep adding them in the chat. I just want to at least get to this main card. And then we'll catch up on some of these. Because uh, we had some Jamie Malarkey comments as well. My man Mark Fellows from Australia. Of course, you know, we joked about, you know, Anik putting the Boston twang. But of course Malarkey is uh, from Australia. I still think that he might be Ted Danson's Australian bastard son, you know. But uh, I think Ted Danson's going to be going to start answering those phone calls finally now. Then Malarkey gets a performance <laughs> bonus in his first UFC win, Brad. What did you think about Kama Worthy versus Jamie Malarkey? I,
1: I think that... Uh especially with joe biden in office now i mean you gotta love all that malarkey that's happening Um, but comma worthy is i i i'm trying to be positive because i'm on your podcast and you know uh usually i I like to criticize but comma worthy is one of those guys that he's in the ufc because of COVID. Uh, if it wasn't for COVID, he, he wouldn't be in here. He really shouldn't be on a pay-per-view main card. Neither should Jamie Mullarkey mind you. Um, but he's just, throughout his career, been a, a very susceptible fighter mm-hmm. to getting finished. And uh, actually, one of the, the rare guys who gets more dangerous in his own finishing potential the further a fight gets, uh, but very susceptible early on. So that... The, the whole performance didn't really shock me. Uh, my initial lean was Malarkey uh, by decision because he's shown his wrestling a bit in his previous UFC fights. Um, but just with the opponent that was in front of him, I thought there was a, a good potential for Malarkey to get a finish in this one.
0: Yeah, I, I picked Worthy, but this was dogger pass for me all over it, like, you know, if you were going to play it. Um, I think I even sprinkled a little bit on Worthy, but I didn't see that KO. I thought, I thought the left hook was going to be live going the other way, so I was doubly wrong, so I'm very happy for... Malarkey. Despite my my Ted Danson joke that I won't get away, but he's got like, that forehead, right? That forehead and brow. Like I bet you Ted Danson could take some punches. <laughs> Cheers, right? Huh? But uh, anyways, uh, <laughs>
1: absolutely. But uh, no, I was happy- a Renaissance for Ted Danson in the past decade too. I, I know. Mean, right? The other man's doing work.
0: <laughs> what was that Family Guy joke where someone forgot their umbrella, so they brought Ted Danson and they just stood under his his, his, his brow, his brow bone for shelter? <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> Was, sorry
1: yeah, uh, I think that I mean you don't need to go any further than that that's
0: the, yeah, that's the joke yeah <laughs> yep. uh, Steven speaking of joke, Steven Gregory This is not a joke though he says this Sunday recap is great hope it becomes a regular fixture don't tempt us uh, but yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna try to do it more and I know I don't wanna speak for Brad on air you can weigh in Brad but I know you said uh, you know if you're free and the weather's not you know the weather's uh, you know not amazing uh, then you know maybe maybe this won't be the first time you pop on with me
1: yeah you might even catch me out in the backyard with a, a, a beer on the patio recording this, so I wouldn't be opposed to that either.
0: Dude, I want to grab one now. I got some sweet plate lunch waiting for me. Not that I need it. I should probably stick it to my green smoothie. Neither here nor there. Daniel May says, uh, if, late, if, if late career Woodley decides he's going to swing like a nutter, I'm here for it. I'm here for it too, Daniel Mays. You know, if he's going to... I mean, you know what I'm saying? It'll 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 only increase his stock. I mean on a losing streak, he's still gonna get work out there, you know what I'm saying? So hey man, go get it, Woodley, if you if that's what you want, if you're healthy. You know, your business is your business. Daniel Mays also says for real though, massive respect to Woodley for realizing he had to go for it even though he spent his entire career going backwards. That's right. Luque was probably the worst guy to try that verse though. That's also right. <laughs>
1: But at the same time, going backwards against a guy like Luque that's just going to keep putting volume on you is uh, – my, my bet in that fight was Luke the, the points handicap. Uh, I, love, I love me some points handicaps in the appropriate matchups, but that was almost even money uh, for the, the Luque money minus three and a half and I just wasn't sure if it was going to be you know pour on volume win 30 27 30 26 something like that or like we saw get the stoppage um, and had to sweat it out a bit more than I, I thought I would with with these performance but uh yeah that's uh he did what he had to do in that fight it just it wasn't enough
0: that's true. I was jumping all up and down in the bedroom. It was one of those. Something about, you know, laying extra money gets you to react harder to these fights, <laughs> for better or words. But Daniel May says, Raccoon gets murked in the rematch, in my opinion. Well, I, I mean, wow. What do you think, Brad? I mean, Woodley, uh, is it Woodley versus the Raccoon, or is it Woodley, what's left of Woodley's hog versus the Raccoon? You know?
1: Well, Woodley's going in there with a, an advantage in that the Raccoon's going to be looking for something that isn't there. So woodley's gonna be able to pull the deception angle and uh, and maybe this time he can get the better of the raccoon so I, I think woodley takes the rematch
0: I'm really trying hard to not make a uh t- shouts to my guy Nick newell there uh but uh i was <laughs> listen listen <laughs> hey listen if, 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 if anyone's gonna make use of that thing it's gonna be woodley right i mean i gotta imagine it still packs some power and and all that so you know, I'm here for late career Woodley. I, I hope he doesn't get any more tussles with the raccoon. Uh, but if he does, he's going to have to uh, get unorthodox with his attacks. I'm getting canceled. God damn it. God damn it. I got I nothing. To cancel for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, let's let's no. move on. Let's move on. <laughs> I uh, I don't know, man. I feel like, for uh, s- s- sidebar, I actually did a, 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 a write up on Nick Newell and and talked to him for a bit for an article that I was doing. And um, I, I it was like all positive article and whatnot and this and that. I feel, I feel like I'm a pretty nice guy, but I was like I think I think, I don't think that guy likes me, <laughs> even though it was a very like not fluff piece, but it was a very you know it was a very positive piece. Uh, but I like uh I I don't know uh <laughs> he seems like a guy that you don't want to get on the wrong side of. So much love, Nick. How could anyone uh, not like you, Dan? I don't know, I don't know, but uh, I got I got love for uh for Nick for Nick Newell and one and uh, you know. Hope he's, hope he's doing well. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he's where, what he's doing right now. CMMAKO uh, says wait, sorry, Lawson. Uh, it's brutal. It's a bad di- business decision. O'Malley Mali trying to walk off in round one. People agreeing that the walk off, I guess, was not good. Um, I think Brian Barbarina may have been the closest to finishing Luke. Wow, actually, yeah, that is true. Brian Barbarina came closest, right? I said Woodley was earlier. Good correction there. Shapiro.
1: Yeah, Woodley was in a, or sorry, yeah, uh, Luque was in a ton of trouble in that fight. So I completely forgot. About uh, and that. he was going to lose the decision in that one. I think if he didn't get the stoppage with like six seconds left or whatever it was.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, MMA KO says I still can't believe Mike Perry survived that Luke knee and guillotine. Yeah, that was really brutal. That that nose when he came up was just like, pff. yeah, Luke's a, a violence master for sure, man.
1: Mm-hmm. And we've forgotten about the submission game. Uh, so that was a, a good reminder of it last night because initially when he came into the UFC, that was his A game was a submission game and the striking was still developing. And now it's sort of flip-flopped uh, in terms of people's perceptions anyway.
0: All right. Yep, it did. It has. Yep, Darce sky all the way. And then lastly, before we push on and blow through the prelims to get out of here, Daniel May says, O'Malley trying and failing to walk off twice was hysterical. So yeah, more... More agreements there. Uh, I don't think he find, I'm sure he'll put the uh, put the put, put the O'Malley spin on it. But yeah, hopefully he learned that lesson from that.
1: I, I think O'Malley trying to walk off um, is like uh, when he's got his girlfriend with one of the other guys, and he's just in the corner trying to to finish, but he can't quite figure it out.
0: By the way, as, I, as I'm still beating myself up <laughs> for throwing an MMA fighter under the bus for that Nick Nolte joke, I should have just done John Bobbitt because that would have been completely in line with Dan Tom's, like, out-of-date references from the 90s, right?
1: I, I like that you blew past my uh, Sean O'Malley cuckold
0: joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus, We're all over the place here, folks. We're all over the place here, folks. God there was, uh... I'll blame it on the... Goddamn yeah,
1: Canadian
0: internet. At, hey, well, sp- I'll, I'll segue <laughs> off of that for you, Brad. Speaking of uh, some cuckold energy, energy, we got Alonzo Menafield <laughs> getting business done real fast against the Water Buffalo, which is, uh add that to the uh, nicknames. Um, But uh yeah, man, Menafield, I was just talking about, like, someone was talking about Oleg Ajuk, which we'll get to, like, him throwing body shots and tiring him, like, him nailing OSP with body shots, but him getting tired from it. And I'm like, that's some real, like, Bishop from the X-Men shit, you know, that OSP pulled on from him. He just absorbed his attack. And then maybe that Bishop reference was apropos, because later, Menafield chose to absorb some stuff from OSP after losing to him. He's coming out here and Von Pruin, dudes. What did you think of that, dude?
1: And apparently, you can learn MMA through osmosis. People always say it, you know, you don't have to just because you're in the same room with a guy doesn't mean you're that guy. But Metafield was in the same cage as OSP, and apparently now he's he's OSP. But uh, huge physical disparity in that fight, um, and I I wouldn't say I was high on Charant. Um, but I've seen him in LFA. He, he in his last fight, it was like six weeks ago. He went five rounds with Myron Dennis uh, in a striking battle, uh, who's you know Myron Dennis isn't great, but he's fought in some like K1 or Glory undercards stuff like that. So capable striker, and Chiron won a 25 minute striking battle with him. So I definitely thought he was live in this one, and Menafield just absolutely smashed him
0: yeah, I was scared. i got I got scared away from Menafield. I know shots to my man Aaron who was proven right. That was his favorite parlay piece. um whereas mine was Luke, but you know he he was proven right there. but I, yeah, I got scared away, so I didn't make anything off this one, but I did pick obviously Menafield. But yes, I too thought Charant was live just from the you know the LFA experience alone and what he was able to show uh, over the course of rounds, which has been the criticism of Menafield, right? But uh, Menafield gets it done quickly, and we're stuck being thought of what could have been, Brad, With if we had Thick Willy. I mean, you, you think Rogan was as disappointed as us that he couldn't go into his uh, playbook?
1: You know what? I think Rogan is so oblivious to the fights that are happening on the card that he doesn't even know what happened. He doesn't even know what he missed. Uh, and now he's not going to get to call a Thick
0: Willy fight because... That would have been an, a dream come true for him. I mean, yeah, dude. I mean, even me, like, I, I know I, I'm, I'm grateful and stuff, but, like, I am i don't know. I know people, like, are really, like, big about getting tweets on the broadcast, whereas I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, this was a night where I actually wanted to get my tweet on the broadcast because I wanted to get a Thick Willy one on there just for you guys, you <laughs> know, for all the believers, all the supporters of the Thickness uh, to get that representation <laughs> immortalized, it's right? Spreading, though.
1: It's spread. It's it's a grassroots movement. The, the Thick Willie movement is is really grassroots, and it's it's going to take over. We we've got that bottom up approach at the MMA analysis.
0: Yep, and you got people like me and Aaron Bronsted are doing doing your guys' Lord's work for you, getting in the ear of Thick Willie's manager Tyson Chardier. Uh, so yeah. I would love to see that conversation of like Tyson trying to pitch a uh, pitch 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 to William Knight uh, to say, uh, hey, this you know I know you really like Nightmare, but Hear me out for a second. <laughs> I,
1: I hope so. I, I would love to see it. Uh, but then you, you would have uh, Buffer probably blow it in the introductions by being like, William Thick Knight instead of Thick Willie Knight, you know.
0: Yes, totally. Just, uh,
1: although I, th- I think... Buffer might be a confirmed MMA analysis listener, because when he was reading the scorecards for our, uh, sorry, two
0: fights from what we're
1: going to talk about, he threw a little bukaka in there.
0: Oh, he did. Yeah, that's right. Maybe, maybe he is. Buff's low key, man. Buff's low key. Uh, but in the next fight, as we kind of blow through these, uh, we'll try to keep this under the two hour mark today, but I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. Keep, uh, feeding stuff in the chat. We will, Burgundy will read it and I will get off track, but, uh, uh, uh Abubakar, which, uh, everyone was having a, uh, you know, a giggle listening to DC, uh, now, uh, pronounce the name of Abubakar, uh, Nurmagomedov defeated, uh, Jared Gooden by unanimous decision and, uh, really leaned on his striking, man, and looked, looked good, even, uh, was able to hurt Gooden, who's pretty pretty durable at least at this weight. He's a big welterweight, and uh, you know he 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 got it done. I I was scared away to be honest uh, from from Nurmagomedov, although I picked him. But yeah, uh, I think it was a good performance for him.
1: I, I was on Gooden here. Um, I, I picked him, but as as the week went on, became less and less confident, and eventually uh, the bet that I played was Gooden uh, scorecards gets canceled. Uh, one of those little prop bets that uh, some of the houses offer. So uh, I ended up lucking out on this one because uh, that bet got canceled when it went to decision, even though it was very close to uh, to not going to decision. Uh, however, if if Abubakar got that first round stoppage, that that would have been incredible because I had a little little conspiracy theory parlay going on. That uh, they sent the potatoes to the wrong hotel room. They sent them to Abu room instead of Abu's room, uh, and that's why Barry Yu got the the third round stoppage. And I thought he was going to get the first round, but wasn't meant to be. Sadly, was <laughs> that is great.
0: Oh, that is great. Oh, that's great. Uh, Steve Gregory says, "Thick willy is a grass stained <laughs> movement." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is great. I had to pause for that. I'm sorry. That's uh, 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 I always gotta pause for Steve Earth. It's something thick willy. Um <laughs> next fight, uh Mikhail uh, Lord uh Olyksejik, uh got the split decision over uh what's his name? How do you pronounce it, uh Brad? Uh, it's it's
1: Manas Bukaki.
0: Yes, the the, the Lithuanian <laughs> legend himself. Um who did who did, you know, you know, he fought his way back in, like I thought perhaps he could have, but I felt like I think part of me was going to lay the under, and part of me was like, oh, I should have laid the under. There's no way this fight's... Like, look how gassed Mikhail looks in the first round, and somehow he comes away with the split. I was a bit in transition, so I'm an unreliable narrator here. Uh, What was your take on this fight going in and coming out, Brad?
1: I uh, liked the under as well. I, I did end up playing it. It uh, didn't make a difference because the, the other leg wouldn't have cashed either. It was the uh, O'Malley Almeida under. Mm. Uh, so I had the, the two fights where guys were bombing on each other and, and didn't manage to, to get it done in under 12 and a half. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought this was going to be a fun fight, which obviously it was just because that's uh, Oleshechuk's O-J- style um, but he definitely held up a little bit better than I thought he did. Uh, personally, I didn't think he actually won the fight. Uh, I, I scored it 29-28 for Bukaka, as uh, as Buffer announced. Um, but I, I can't really have any problem with the scorecard either way. Uh, first was um, uh, first was Bukoskis because that's the that's the round where he actually hurt him pretty good and, and almost got him out of there. Uh, and if you want to give second and third to, to Chichuk, uh you can't be mad at that one, the, the candy man, as we as we like to call him.
0: <laughs> the candy man. Yeah, man, the candy man can, and he moved forward um, to kind of counteract some of the bod- bad body language that he was giving off, and I guess he gets it done. Um, yeah, the line expanded. I thought it was going to contract from weigh-in's. But it didn't, so I actually ended up being uh staying away. I didn't play him, so otherwise I you know, I guess I would have uh, squeaked one out there, but grats if you did. He did not look great at weigh-ins. No. That's
1: uh, <laughs> that is certain.
0: No, yeah, but the the money went opposite, which is which is really weird. Um yep. but the next fight we had uh Omar who uh you know got my uh the uh Sanford MMA parlay, the Omar Vicente parlay, uh Omar Luque parlay, I should say, uh is uh he beats Shane Young, by unanimous decision, was a little worried because Shane Young came in and looked like, you know, looked like he got the bag of potatoes, Brad, but...
1: He had... Anytime you see the armpit veins, that little vein going over the armpits, um, that's, that's a sign that a fighter is <laughs> well. <laughs>
0: you know what I love is that, like, you know, and you guys will use that terminology of the yams, which actually has some scientific rooting to these uh, code code shade that we throw. <laughs> but like it's almost just like you know the A- Azatars A- have no as we're, we're, we're like I love about every fight like segues to the Azatars criminal behavior. But uh <laughs> I, I don't know this is this is this is this is this is the way, this is how it's done. But uh it, it almost feels like he was like you know an extra FU going like they were potatoes. Like the fact that everybody was saying steroids and he goes they were just potatoes. Yeah, or yams that turn into steroids. Okay? Yeah,
1: <laughs> gotta get those Brazilian mountain yams, you
0: know. Or the Moroccan <laughs> ones, man. Apparently, those are putting out some some RPMs. Um, not, for, yeah. not for, not for, not for a boo. I guess we should just jump to that. I, I, I mean, I cashed a bet on Omar, and I, I don't have much to say on this fight. I was kind of loosely watching too, no. despite betting on it. Um, there wasn't a lot that happened. Okay, yeah, I did see one nice exchange by the way. Omar did which was smart when Shane Young went to counter him with a heel hook, and he did something really smart. He did the Irish collar to deny leverage of the leg lock. Like, that's my favorite way to defend a leg lock. I, I don't try to spin out. I'll usually kind of smash in and you, you grab their head leverage and they can't spin the way mm. they need to attack. It's great. Um, but yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Mark Andre, Barry, you, uh, as Brad said, I, I I started and uh, this fight eating crap and I'll end eating crap here. I played Abu for the value. Cause he opened as a, as a slight favorite and went to dog God. So I'm like, I'll take the plus money on what should be a nail biter. And a guy who's connected, if this thing can get to the scorecards. But uh, despite Jaron Valle trying his hardest, and apparently, you know, according to commentary, which is you don't hear them note often, much less the refs do, apologizing to the corner. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. There was. I don't want to take anything away from Barry. You did you? I think you cashed on this, Brad. Set it up, man. How did you see it coming? And uh, were you surprised that the criminal? that the criminal mastermind could not uh, could not could not find a way to win. Uh,
1: I'm surprised uh, that Jaron Vilel is still around because that was uh, about as bad as you could possibly handle that fight. Uh, there were so many opportunities for him to stop that fight, mm-hmm. and I know that time isn't supposed to matter to, to referees. You're supposed to to ref the fight however it's going. But even at the end, the 10-second the clap hit. He acknowledged it, sort of like waved to the timekeeper when it hit, uh, and then proceeded to stop the fight when there was some ground pound that was no different than the stuff that had been landed for the previous four minutes was happening. So that was very strange. Um, but in terms of the, the bet, um, I, I didn't end up betting Barrio straight. Uh, because I, I wasn't shocked that Abu was able to come out early and, uh, and you know, he, he looked pretty good, uh, looked like he had some energy, but that's a guy that throughout his career has just not fought good competition. Uh, and even against some of those guys, he's gone to a lot of decisions. He, he starts to look pretty rough once you get into the second and third round. So none of that surprised me. And, and Berrio is just incredibly durable um i i I think the fact the simple fact that he's canadian uh, made me shy away from betting him straight um but but we got a little bit of the the round
0: three prop which nice you are you are a marksman with those round three props and yeah man that was a total one where i I think it was uh at feetwork manos de piedra on twitter shouts that guy he uh called me out justifiably so man called myself out here it's like he wasn't doing it meanly, by the way, but I'm just saying, like, man, I always go for, like, the grindy guys who haven't been stopped over, like, the athletic burst guys. <laughs> like, that's my MO. I don't know what's been wrong with me these past couple weeks. It worked out in the main event, sure, uh, the card we're covering, but, like, I, I don't know what's wrong with it. It's total air, out of characteristic. I'm like, why did I why did I bet this? This is exactly the way it was going to go. Um, and the crazy thing was, like, the thing with Azatar, he did everything you could want him to do, though. Like, he was trying to pace himself, right? Um, like, he was trying to pace himself, like, he was doing the clinch work, maybe a little bit too much for takedowns, which is, I guess I didn't answer Matt Wells' question, I agree with you, Minganu's wrestling also impressed me the most, Brad, but it was the fact that he knew when to disengage, you listen to the corner when he went for the takedown, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh no this could be bad, and he disengaged, right? Like, that was mm-hmm. impressive to me, because we saw Azatar, who actually uh, has more wrestling experience than Ninganu. Um, I didn't hate the clinch warfare, and the body, and the leg work, like, but He was still having to, uh, you know, burial was making them fight there and re-swim for underhooks and turn, and his corner knew that, which is why they wanted him to get away from it, and Azatar didn't listen. Uh, But uh, outside of that, like, he did everything he wanted. He was doing, like I said, the measuring attacks of the leg and really doing visible damage. Like, he was going to the body to try to equalize the Mm -hmm. gas tank from the get-go, consistently working the body, using it to build up up high, and hurting burial more than I've ever seen him hurt in the UFC or the TKO scene, by the way. So it was like, Azatar did everything you could have wanted him to do, another one of those cases, but it just wasn't enough, and that round that round three, uh, fading the gas tank was where the value was at, so so congrats to you on that one.
1: Fading Canada is never a bad call, though, so I, I can't blame you on that one. Uh, and Azatar has won a bunch of decisions in his career, so. Yeah, only, yeah, I thought he could survive.
0: And clearly he thought he all he had to do was survive. Like, he was like, you could see him under there. He's like going like, to Jaren, Jaren, just let me get to the judges, please. Trust me. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. Just let it get to the judges. Trust me. Like, I could have scored. That's what he was saying. <laughs> because, yeah, uh, Jaren Vallel trips him, you know, pauses it so he can put the mouthpiece back in to continue getting a beating. And it just, just should have been stopped. This was Jaren Vallel's only assignment, which was weird. But I had a feeling that might have been his only assignment anyways with the way that fight went.
1: Yes, that's... Uh, I I hope he doesn't have any trips planned to Morocco because he's not coming back if he does.
0: Yeah, it was almost like no one wanted to be responsible for, like... Someone's like, why didn't the towel throw in? Why didn't this? Why didn't that? I'm like, dude, I don't think anybody wants to be responsible for stopping an Azatar fight and what could happen to you for that. So I don't blame him in that sense. But, yeah, it was a really bad look for sure on uh, on Valel. And what is up with this? This is like the second card in a row where, like the first fight, like it was Bruno Silva, JP buys like what, what is it about the first UFC card of the night or fight of the card? Like, we're like, we need to uh, guys before you start fighting. Can you guys somehow orchestrate every foul possible to demonstrate it? So we have talking points for the rest of the night because like, right. Cause like Bruno Silva used like the cage grab, the eye poke and the girl, he did the trifecta before getting his finish. Yes. And then in this fight, you mean you get help from the refs tripping you. The ref is like, you know, like fluffing the guy's cushion under his head so he can take more beatings. Like, it was like two-on-one in there. Yeah,
1: there's uh <laughs> Hey, always cheat in MMA if you can, but I think we need to come up with a name for what Bruno Silva pulled off. Uh, in in hockey, they've got the Gordie Howe hat trick. I don't know, in MMA, maybe we need to call it the, G- the Gilbert Ival hat trick.
0: Oh shit, Gilbert Iv, that's a shout. That's right. You wanna talk? I mean you want to talk about incorporating the refs physically, right? That is that is Gilbert Ivell there to uh to a to a T. Um well that that pretty much recaps the card. Any other last comments you guys can get in the chat here? Um Brad, so UFC two sixty overall. I mean, at least entertaining. Obviously, you know, these things are under delivering because of COVID itself just wiping out all these fights. But um, your thoughts on the card, I guess, overall?
1: Vastly exceeded my expectations. Um, you know, you, you see the best fight by far on a card fall off, and it turns into very much a one-fight card. Um, but the the fights that were there delivered, and I'm, I'm the opposite of one of these Oh man, these cards that are shitty on paper, they're always the bangers. Um, that, that is absolutely not the way I look at this stuff. Uh, but these fights were entertaining. Uh, a lot of them didn't mean anything, but the ones that did, delivered. and uh, And we got some fun. And honestly... I kind of like when we've got nine or 10 fight cards and you don't have to watch for seven and a half hours to, to get your, your fights in, uh, you can watch everything. Uh, I've even, I actually went back and watched the main event again this morning because uh, I think that's the first time I've done it in a, a long time, but I wasn't, I wasn't overwhelmed by the amount of fights uh, like I have been in some weeks recently.
0: Yeah, I mean, late start time, early finish time was nice this Saturday, right? I mean, we had the, you know, the uh, later start time, because it has to be for for main card pay-per-views, but two first-round finishes, a third-round finish, and a second-round early finish. I mean, it was a short card, all things considered, especially that we could have been looking at two potentially 25-minute affairs on there.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and I think, actually, I no, I don't want to say that the Volkanovski the fight would have definitely gone 25 minutes. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it could have been one of those you know quarter-after-one finishes, and I think I was in bed by quarter-after-one, so I uh, can't argue with that. I know it's easier for you guys on the West Coast, but uh, East Coast and our European friends, man, it's uh, it can be rough sometimes on these longer turns.
0: It can. Shouts, shouts to them absolutely, all, all our uh, brothers across the pond and sisters across the pond there. Uh, Gotta give the ladies some love, of course. A lot lot more, lot more female fans. MMA, I keep stumbling upon too, which is great. Let's let's keep expanding it out there, folks. And uh, so hopefully uh, everyone else will have to step up their game. Yeah, yeah. Don't be creepy. Like a lot of them actually can, you know, contribute like some of the funnier jokes on the Twitter space too. So. You know, get in there and throw, throw some elbows, ladies. Get in those, you know, maybe don't get in the comment sections, actually. Stay away. Stay stay far away from this board. I take back everything I just said. What am I doing? This is MMA. You guys shouldn't even be watching this. All right? So before we get out of here, Brad, can you plug uh, your, your uh, MMA show or anything else you want to plug or say, you know, as we get out, thank you, of course, for joining me, man.
1: Um, I appreciate you having me. This was, it was a ton of fun to do on a, a Sunday. i um, sorry that the, the connection was a bit spotty on my end, so it, it seemed like there was a bit of a delay, but uh, we worked through it. Um, MMA analysis uh, is at the MMA-analysis anal- MMA on Twitter? I don't know. Something like that. Um, look for us. It's in my uh, my Twitter handle, which is at brazchuk, Chuck. Uh, Bra Z Chuck. Um, and, uh, yeah, somewhere. Dan's got it, uh, written somewhere in here. Follow me there, uh, for terrible jokes and worst bets. And, uh, yeah, I just like to have fun with this. Uh, which I know you do, which is why I appreciate you and your work, Dan.
0: Yeah, I, uh, thank you. Hopefully you appreciate me, too, because, uh, folks, keep looking at that ab- ab- brass chuck thing, because, uh, yeah, I spelt it wrong. So, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 it's uh, c-h-u-k not c-h-u-c-k uh hey at least i didn't put brass cuck and you know really really pulled one on you brad right i mean it wasn't this was an honest mistake at least you know so (laughs) maybe i need to change my twitter name (laughs) i want to give you any ideas yes that's at b-r-a-z-c-h-u-k uh just to clarify
1: North of the border, we we say it's uh, it's, Zed, it's Zed. Zed.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that. By the way, I'm so I'm so American and like ignorant. With tunnel vision. Like, what's the metric system? Who needs this stuff? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, Imagine measuring things in values of ten and hundreds instead of twelve.
0: Hey, listen. It goes to show I got to work on my uh, cultural sensitivity amongst many other sensitivities of this show. But uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed. And, uh, you know, took the intent for what it's worth, even on the swings and misses, because, let's be honest, uh, we could all use more comedy. Uh, It's been some crappy things going on in the world. I'm not going to spend more time talking about it here as I have on past shows recently. Not that I regret it, but it's always important to inject comedy in every part of your life, not take things so seriously, um, which is a big part of the reason why I had my, my man Brad on here. He always makes me laugh and feel better. Hopefully we were able to give you guys at least something to do if not give you a couple laughs. Don't take us too seriously. We wish you all the best. Be kind to one another out, fo- out there folks. Stop the hate in general. L- 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 let's all try to be a little better, myself included. Stop. Yeah, stop Asian hate. There we go. But just in general, there's, there's just been really crappy hey, things Passover in the news. To the happy passovers to the, to the brothers and sisters out there. You know, you know, what, you, you know what, you know I love y'all. Um, but but seriously, guys, um, thank you for everything. I'm not even going to plug the MixedMartialAnalyst.com click-throughs. I'll skip the Amazon read-throughs and on-it stuff. Of course, you can always support the podcast there. Like this video. Subscribe to Daniel Tom MMA if you're listening to the audio version of Protect Your Neck Podcast. Appreciate all the kind stuff. Positive ratings and reviews at the PYM Podcast on all social platforms, at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter. And until next time, protect your neck. All right, I lost Brad, and I will see you guys.